Chip. This is, uh, you know, that negative thought you've been having, and uh, I just, uh, I just can't let you try and change yourself without a fight. So, uh, go ahead and just turn the show off, okay? And, um, uh, yeah, everything's still fine. This is Blindsight with your host, Bill Lundgren, an AINC original podcast. You serious? We're not holding back truth. We're here to help you heal and become the best you possible. Here's the chair. Here's the pillow. Here's Bill. Hi there. Welcome to this episode of Blindsight, produced by Audio Information Network of Colorado. I'm your host, Bill Lundgren, and I'm pleased to welcome you to uh, listen to what we're going to be talking about today. And it has to do with uh, phototherapy. And to talk about it, we're pleased to have our guest, Moses Street, who is a photographer and has, well, I'll tell you, he has introduced me to the concept. And I'm real excited to have a chance to talk with, with you, Moses, about it and share that with our audience. Welcome. Yes. Hi. How are you doing, Bill? Good. 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 Yeah, I'm excited. For, yeah. And for those of you who may be wondering, yes, Moses is Penn Street's husband. And, Mo, and Penn, of course, is the host for another podcast, which is uh, After Sight. So it's a, we're, we're being a little bit of a family here. But Moses, what I wanted to ask you to start off with is tell us, give us a framework for uh, photo therapy. Yeah, great. Um, it's it's called phototherapy only because I tried half a dozen different names and it just kept coming back to phototherapy. And it was it's not therapy in the traditional sense is uh, not like laying on a couch and and I talk you into being photogenic <laughs> uh, and and it doesn't go into uh, so much past experience or anything like that. It's because when you learn the techniques of photographing good <clears throat> and this is for people who, really dislike being photographed uh, or like we're going to talk about today that if you can't see uh, how you know that you're looking good in a photo or just in public. Uh, and so it, it's interactive uh, when you actually uh, come in for a session, you're, you're actually um, very active during it. So, plus a lot of information. Okay, okay. so you're the photographer. I'm coming in, uh, getting uh, photographed, or uh, any, anyone coming in to see you. What are you looking for from, from me or from uh, your subject? Okay, um, and then from us talking, it was, I'm going to start talking about sighted people. But what's fascinating with me is the average person really doesn't know what they look like. And they aren't really aware of how they're coming across to other people. 
except when they see a bad photo of themselves or rarely, but occasionally a good photo. And so when you would come in, uh, it would start with just asking you a lot of questions. And part of it is because people have a mental, emotional image of what they look like. And so I usually start the conversation, you are the only person on planet Earth that knows a good picture of you because nobody knows what you think you look like, and it rarely matches what they're looking at. And so I would be asking questions like, um, what shows up in a photo that you don't like? Uh, and they'll sometimes come up with a few things and then I'll go, well, this is not a judgment. It's just me finding out what you're seeing. And so I would ask you, do you think you have a big nose? Because you don't. And if you think you have a big nose, though, I need to know that because photographically, then I would photograph you like a person who has a big nose so that you would think it looks small. Uh, do your ears bother you? Uh, some people think they have huge ears that pop out. Other people think their ears are too small. Uh, what about your hair? Is your hairstyle have to be absolutely perfect a certain way? Or can it be all messy? Can we do hair, windblown hair photos, that type of thing? Uh, then a big one is do you think that you are overweight or even too thin or just right? Uh, because if you're if you think you're overweight and you don't like how it shows in a photo, well then I'd photograph you really different than I would photograph uh, somebody who's really thin. Like I worked with uh, one person who was thin. And if they looked thin in a photo, it really, really bothered them and they didn't like it. So I had to photograph them so they looked about 20 pounds heavier. Um, and then are you too tall? Are you too short? Uh, are, are your arms ugly? <laughs> uh, are your legs good, bad? Uh, that type of thing. And then kind of get an idea of what do they feel like when they're being photographed. Some people get uh, the, the way they, the camera has become a negative trigger to almost everybody. And it is uh, rare to find people who actually like how they look in a photo. And, mm. and so when you hit somebody with a negative trigger, they're going to react in a whole bunch of different ways, which is fascinating to me. And so when they do that, it's to see what that negative trigger is for them and to see what their reaction is. And then you can counterbalance the negative trigger and turn it into a positive trigger. Uh, I'll give one example and then hand it back to you. Is I was photographing uh, this woman and this is not unusual. Uh, people will experience minor or major panic attacks when you aim a camera at them. And so uh, her husband was a lot bigger than her. And so we were just doing a, the first shot was just a standard uh, stand by a tree picture. 
And so once they were posed, I go, okay, now you back away from him and you run into him as hard as you can. Uh, and then when you recover, I'll take the picture. Well, she ran into him, and even though she was half his size, she knocked him down because uh, <laughs> he wasn't ready for her enthusiasm. And it cracked her up. That was a simple one. It cracked her up so bad, it just ended the panic attack issue for the rest of the sitting. <laughs> okay. Well, I was thinking as you were talking, you know, around mood, it, I just happened uh, to uh, give my niece uh, a whole, like a whole bunch of slides that I can't use because I can't see them and I can't even tell her what's, what's on them. But included in them were some pictures of her mother and all of them were very, you know, she, she looked very unhappy. And I remember one of them having taken one of them and seen him later. And yet I look back on it and say, you know, that was really how she would felt back in those days. That's my sense as I look back on it. So she was showing how she felt about herself and about her surroundings uh, in this kind of very unhappy pose. And, and since it was several photographs, I know this is pretty consistent. So that's what we're talking about in terms of what somebody brings to the photographing session. Yes, yes, exactly. And and so one of the things to overcome is the fact that a lifetime of looking bad in a photo, you know you look that bad. And so when I come up and I go, well you should be photographing like a fashion model because your face is wonderful. And, and they, they don't believe you uh, because right. mm -hmm. you know you're breaking a reality for them. And as you know, that when you are proving to somebody that what has been a long time reality is not true, they also will react pretty negatively towards you. Thus, right. mm -hmm. thus, thus current political conversations. Uh, you're breaking people's reality and they don't like it. And, and then to take it back because you were using a family picture, uh, my mother hated being photographed and I happened to have hundreds of family photos. And the only time she ever looked good in a photo was if my dad was photographing her. Any other photo she looks horrible in. Hmm. And so that definitely comes into play uh, because as the photographer, you need to become that person that they respond really well to. And photographers traditionally, like all the regular photography stuff holds up no matter what else we talk about. So lighting's important, posing is really important. Uh, that type of thing. But photographers' number one go-to to get you to look good in a photo is, I'm in a good mood, I'm going to act in a good mood, and then you'll get in a good mood. Well, that works okay for about 10% of the population that right. will mm -hmm. empathize with you. Everybody else who hates being photographed, that does nothing. You know, it's like being around a happy person when you're depressed. So that's that's the 
a basic thing that needs to be overcome. So how do you do that? How do you, the photographer, get people past that? You mentioned about uh, getting uh, a person laughing. That's one way. Yes. Uh, are there other, other things that you have to do to get people? I mean, you have somebody in front of you, like, say, my sister, who is very unhappy. How do you, and she doesn't even, even she isn't even aware that she's coming across that way. What do you what do you have to do and what do you want them to do to make a difference and have them look as you describe it? We're talking about glamour photographs to look like a glamour model when they can't perceive themselves to be as such. Yes, and that wave, wave a magic wand and there you go. <laughs> Actually that is. I, I got a magic wand about fifty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all it takes. Uh, no, uh, kind of an icebreaker is I uh, get people to show me in the old days before cell phones, they had to bring in at least five pictures of themselves that they hated, really disliked that I could actually see them in. Because uh, some people, uh. some people bring in a long shot and go, "I love that." Well, of course they loved it. You couldn't see them. And then, if they have any pictures, which uh, for so many people it'll be a, they might be in their forties, and they'll go, "The only picture I ever liked of myself," and they'll show you a picture when they were twelve. Uh, uh. But people will talk about a photograph and why they like it and don't like it openly because it's not like asking them an embarrassing question and and they're talking about themselves and so i learned that with, like when your wife shows you a picture of yourself that you hate and, or and that she hates of herself uh you agree with her it's terrible and then say why is it terrible because I like it, you know, but because when you come across and you go, oh, but you look so good in it, they don't believe you. Um, right. Mm -hmm. Even though you're seeing something you actually like. And so uh, talking about the pictures, you find out the basic cause uh, of why they're looking bad. So some people... Uh, it's as simple as they just get really uncomfortable in front of the camera. And so they do real weak, uh, uh, shy type faces. And then you get into one that's fascinating to me. I call them agers. And it's because you'll have a person like uh, 25, 30, 40 years old sitting in front of you who's attractive. And you've got the camera aimed at him. And I don't take a picture unless the person looks good. And then you click the picture. And then when you look at the picture, it does looks nothing like the person you just took the picture of. Literally, some people negatively react to the camera. And they do it at the last split second because your face can... Uh, switch in milliseconds and right. they will they will look 20 years older than the person sitting in front of you 
And ah, okay. And and that was a really tough one to figure out. And it turned out to be the same. These are some of the problems you run into. Turned out to be the same problem as people who chronically blink in photos, close their eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I tried with the eye-closing people, I tried every trick in the book over years, could not beat them. Uh, I, I would even use long extension cord, which used to be part of taking pictures. Um, so they couldn't see my hands and they couldn't tell when I was taking the picture. They would still blink because something about my motion, voice, sound, they knew the picture was coming and they'd close their eyes. Well, right. mm -hmm. uh, the simple thing for that is I started using with blinkers that I'll go, okay, when I go to take the picture, we're both going to start blinking and I'm going to go blink, 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 blink. And we're going to keep blinking until I say stop and then just look at the camera. Well, what happens is when you're doing that, your eyes get sore and they don't want to blink and almost can't blink when you take the picture. It also works good for group pictures because it gets everybody on the same page. So then I, right. mm -hmm. then I discovered that agers were the same thing, that they could look gorgeous. And you, the split second of clicking that shutter, they would go old. And mm. just like the blinkers, you couldn't beat them. And so I developed a technique where you set up the whole pose of what's going to happen in the photo. Then you have them go about uh, five, six feet away, and uh, it's more detailed. And then you go pretend that you're a little five-year-old. And I do it with them, and we get to the point that we're both just these little kids, and you watch them until you know they're really five years old again, you know, and doing a really good impression of a five-year-old. And you go, now, run into it. Okay, it's it's just like hide and seek. Touch the tree, touch the tree, run in there, run in there. And they run in, hit the pose, look at the camera, and they can't get old fast. And uh, there's more to it, but it works every time. So in other words, what you're doing is changing, finding creative ways to change their mood yes. to reflect a more, uh, a different uh, style uh, you know, some photographers just say cheese, and that's supposed to do it. That's not what you're talking about. <laughs> you're talking about actually getting them into a different stance than they would normally take in a picture. Exactly. And then the, the thing is, are they aware that they're doing this and that the picture has turned out differently? Because you've been able to touch that emotional base and said, you know, that, that childlike thing or, or some other thing that you may come up with to change their mood and have it come across uh, in the photograph. Yes, exactly what you're saying. And the primary technique for me and one of the reasons I love doing portraits uh, of showing people how to do that is that you have to tell the truth, no secrets. You, you tell them the magic trick, how it works. So they're part of the magic trick. So, I see. Mm -hmm. so, so on the agers, it's like, 
um, well, it holds up true if you pretend that you're much younger than you are, your face will actually get younger looking, um, hmm. sometimes dramatically. Like I was photographing uh, an 18-year-old uh, high school senior picture, and she was an ager. And so she was looking about uh, almost almost 30 years old in a lot of her photos. And then we were doing right. this one picture and all of a sudden, the person in front of me looked like a seven-year-old. She looked that young, like she was a little kid. And and I luckily clicked it, but it was shocking that she could go so young in the face. Right. And and but when you're doing like the aging trick, you're going. You cannot. Agers tend to be people who overanalyze everything. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I would definitely be an ager because I overanalyze everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have to tell them you cannot think, you have to stay that little kid because they're going to go, how fast do you want me to run in? Or do you want me to just walk in? How excited do you want me to stay? And, and you go, yeah. so you have to be totally honest with cause and effect and, uh, um, and it, it's the same thing because an, another fascinating thing is that the face, well, that would jump into another subject. Can I do that without you asking me a question? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So the core way that this works, uh, oh, because when you were asking the earlier one is to make it believable that they can be really good looking. So, mm -hmm. um, right. So you explain to them that, okay, you have, according to other sciences, 250 core feelings that you feel on a regular basis that make up your personality. Okay. So when you feel one of those feelings, your face automatically makes the face. And, right. and mm -hmm. uh, the match like face going for job interview. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and That's yes. It's going to have an effect on your face that you may not know. Yes. And, and so, like, if you were going in for a thing, you'd want to get yourself all pumped up. I'm going to be this dynamic person and stay in that character just like you were acting, which is kind of a lot what we're doing is once we find a face that they like, because uh, I take a lot of test shots. Once we find a pick face they like, then it's, for most people, it's pretty easy. You feel the feeling and you get that face, which is a lot easier than trying to physically look good in a photo. Right. Yeah. So in other words, to, to focus on the feeling or the experience. Yeah. And if you have a negative feeling towards a job interview, for example, it's going to show up in your face. Oh, most definitely. Unless somebody points out to you, uh, no, that isn't what you want to do. But a lot of people don't really feel like they have the power to change how they come across to people. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It, Cause it's like, um, what well, we had been talking like for a guy, this is, uh, not a hundred percent, but, 
holds up fairly true. So like for a guy to look his best in a photo, most guys, um, if you get them to pretend that they are the coolest guy they've ever seen in the movies, okay? And usually the guy will go, they'll start laughing nervously and they'll go, there's nothing, right, right. Cool. Mm -hmm. there's nothing cool about me. Okay. Right. And I go, no, no, I go, yeah, but you can pretend that you're cool. You know, like you can mimic the Fonz or you can mimic Harrison Ford or James Bond. And, and the nice thing about it is when you're getting really cool for a photo, like in a group shot, Nobody knows you're doing it, you know. It's not like, look at me, I'm going from this dork to James Bond. You just sit there and you start acting over-the-top cool. And not Zoolander cool, because that's humor. Uh, you just start looking over-the-top cool. And that is usually one of the best faces a guy's got. And then addressing like fears, like most men can't smile well at all in a photo. Uh, uh, it just doesn't come natural to guys for some reason. And so I will go through all these explanations. And one of them is that, okay, think about movie stars. They're all gorgeous. You will never see a movie star smiling in a movie poster or movie promo ever Unless it's a comedy and they're supposed to look stupid because even movie mm. stars can't smile very well. Uh, or not all of them, but, uh, but a lot of movie stars like Clint Eastwood uses his smile to get a laugh yeah. in one of his movies. Harrison Ford, right. uh, his latest movie, he does his smile in it and it's to get a laugh. Uh, uh, and so you tell the guys, stay serious but if you got to show teeth because everybody wants you to smile, then you give them a couple techniques to how to do a believable fake smile. Right. Uh, you know, I have to get back to the job hunting thing because that's a situation where you're trying to put on your best face as you know, and, and there are similarities between getting a photograph, the best face and photograph and how you come across in a job interview, for example, and this is where I think a lot of people run into trouble. Their body language is not the way they want to pre present, uh, present to a possible employer. But they, they aren't, and particularly men, don't pay attention to what they're feeling. So how do we get, how do you as a photographer get uh, a male to look good and real or a woman to look glamorous when she doesn't feel it, you know, because of things that have gone on in her life or whatever, you know, what, what are we talking about? How do we get people to know what's a good uh, feeling or a good uh, projection that they can come to when they are in a photo, you know, being photographed or going in for an interview? Okay, a couple techniques uh, for that is part of it is acting. Uh, everybody acts like like they're in a movie 
whether they think so or not. So the, the most obvious is all the people who who have a boss they don't like, but they can pretend when they're around the boss convincingly that they like the boss enough to the point the boss thinks they like them and that they're a good friend. Well, it's the same thing that um, uh, when you go in for the interview, you would want to psych yourself up for it, but some technique for that one, because for a lot of people that can't see, you can do it audibly, okay, is I had a friend who uh, had a really potent form of therapy, and he wanted to do videos on it. But the minute he got on video, you couldn't listen to it more than 20 seconds because he was so horrible. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we sat down, and we were using the photo techniques with body language and voice uh, to get the character. So you could do this with your cell phone on audio is... Right. But I'll start with the body language is if you pay attention to like how you're sitting uh, and and or standing, and then you want to come across strong so uh, you stand up straight, throw your chest out, throw your shoulders back, and because nobody can see you because you're just talking to your phone, put your hands on your hips like you're doing a Superman, you know, and then glance up heroically into the skies that you're going to save the populace. And you get into that, and you'll start feeling your body change. Um mm. Even before that, because uh, going into a photograph or when you want to change how you're acting, um, you start getting really physical, like you shake your shoulders and roll them and bring them up really high and then let them sag. And then you start wiggling your uh, body around and then you shake your arms as hard as you can shake them. And then another one, and this one you need to be careful because necks are fragile, is you slowly roll your head around in a circle in one direction, and you're doing it really slowly because you can, if you're really, uh, like I rarely can tell when I'm really tense, and if I don't do that really slow, I can literally pop a neck muscle, which gets really slow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you want to do that really slow and then circle in both directions. And it's the same, shake your legs. So you're uh, shaking your right leg a lot. And when you're shaking and moving around, you want to put all your focus into your body, which sounds all granola, but it actually works. And mm -hmm. like for, for me, when I start doing that, if I am stressed and didn't know it, uh, I start getting shivers down my back. Uh, other people will get funny tingling feelings in their arms because that's where they put their stress. Uh, right. So you're shaking both legs. And then you might, if you're physically capable, uh, do some deep knee bends, uh, uh, yeah, and again, depending on your physical ability, slowly uh, reach over, touch your toes, 
And uh, um, like when I start touching my toes, I'm still about two inches from my toes. So I'll do it right. a few times till I can touch my toes. So one of the things you're doing is you're starting to get into your body and out of your brain, which is really good. So then going along with all that moving around, you might even run in place. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you could do that going into the job interview, go into the restroom and do all this crazy stuff. And while you're doing it, you're going, yeah, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Oh, because this is one of the beauties for this. You can lie to your brain like crazy and your brain will believe you even though you're lying to it. So if you're sitting there going, I'm a superstar, I'm a superstar, I'm a superstar, and you're just thinking it, I'm doing it out loud. <laughs> uh, you're right. Your brain you're thinking. Mm -hmm. go, okay, we got to go into superstar mode. Are you going, I'm going to nail right. this. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the woman. I can run this business, let alone just work at the job I'm going for. And you just nonstop think that until you walk in that door and you're there, okay? But you're trying to get any stress in your body out of it because it'll counteract. And then that's right. that straightening up chest out. Um, right. You, you want to keep a strong image. Um, like one, you never, ever put your hands behind your back and hold your wrist. That means you've been captive and they've uh, tied your hands up and you're a victim. Uh, you want to keep the, the hands up, the hands strong. For me, because I do a lot of videos, uh, the more anim which I'm starting to do on this <laughs> while I'm talking to you, I'm really animated on this side of the camera because uh, it, it helps describe something. So those are a couple basic things you can do. So, so what you what you're in essence saying in terms of if you change your body, uh -huh. it helps your mind come closer to what, where you, you want your mind to be. Yes. Rather than mo most people think about the mind and then that's going to make the body shape up. No, you can do it the other way in terms if I'm uh, projecting a strong body uh, sense and, as you say, say, I'm the man, the mind is going to follow that body sense as opposed to when I'm you know, uh, got my shoulders hunched up and and uh, looking uh, dressed out or scared or less than. Uh, my body's going to show that if that's what you know. If I'm not watching out and and uh, checking my body to make sure that my body's in the right place for me to give uh, an image. And, of course, we're so used, some, particularly those who've been traumatized, have been so used to feeling less than, the body will automatically go into a certain uh, timid stance. Yes. And if you can change that, as you as a photographer, and you can show them that a different stance is going to get better results, and they even see it in themselves in your photographs or the video, then that's going to encourage them to to pay attention to their body. Yes, and, am I hearing that right? Oh yes, and and if you were like me when I first started realizing what you just said, I just thought, oh, that's baloney. 
And and since then, I'm a strong believer, and even in uh, portrait shoots, whether they're indoors or outdoors, I have I keep the people really, really active. Uh, like I have frequently the running into the picture uh, for everybody. Uh, and I'll tell them, I am not doing your portrait. I'm shooting a movie. So when you are doing the picture, you have to become believably doing what you're doing. Okay. And that goes with the physical thing of, of, um, the more physical stuff you do, it definitely pops people exactly like you're saying. One other one, and I think of this with people who've lost their sight, you frequently see people uh, going down the street with their cane and you, you, they're like walking like they're going to on the edge of a cliff and they're going to fall off at any minute. And of course, all this takes tremendous practice, but if they would uh, um, step up their step, bigger steps, they could still stay slow, but bigger steps, move their shoulders differently when they're walking, um, um, with practice walking faster to see that they can go faster. And that, that walking just alone will change how you are perceived. And this is using pen as an example is pen. People rarely realize that pen can't see. And one of the things is, um, she doesn't make a big deal about it, but she has practiced long and hard not to do any of the um, blind cliches. Uh, you know, she um, when she's in public, she walks like everybody else, full stride, uh, their speed. <clears throat> and she's got a lot of tricks for being able to do that. Uh, she, she, um, moves or like if somebody, somebody's gonna, uh, obviously shake hands, she gets her hand out there first, uh, making her look like the aggressive person she is. And one guy even called her on it. He goes, how'd you know I was gonna, uh, shake your hand? And, and she goes, no, I knew you were gonna shake my hand. I just got my hand out there first so you could grab it. <laughs> So, so yeah. yeah, but the the physical changing how you move, um, a trick that both Penn and I do because we frequently wake up uh, pretty groggy, is we instantly get busy, and busy on a project that we're interested in uh, uh, wakes us up because that physical, like you're saying, right, it's huge. Well, hello, everybody. Jonathan Price here. You have been listening to part one of Bill's interview with Moses Street, the one and only husband to our infamous Penn Street, our host of Aftersight. Please come back next week as we are going to be talking about part two in this very interesting psychology of taking a photo series. Don't forget our hike on August 12th, and we will see you next week or back next week for our second part of this interview. Enjoy. Please, if you have any questions or comments, visit us at aincolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. If you have a question for Bill, we would love to have your question answered on air. 
All right, until next time, have a great day.